Welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm Jo Salter, your podcast host and founder of Where Does It Come From, a social enterprise focusing on kind clothes that tell tales. In this podcast, I'll be chatting with amazing people who've dedicated themselves to making our world a better place through business, social enterprise, campaigning and much more. This episode is all about offsetting a way that many businesses, governments and even individuals can pay into an environmental project to make up for the carbon they've created. My guests are Will Richardson, founder and CEO of Green Element and Compare Your Footprint, and Jarvis Smith, founder and CEO of My Green Pod. Hello and welcome to the Where Does It Come From podcast. I'm so excited today. We're going to be talking about a really interesting subject. I've got two fabulous experts with us who I'm going to get to introduce themselves to you in a moment. We're going to be talking about offsetting. So without any further ado, I'd like you to introduce you to Jarvis and Will. Will, would you like to go first? Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your organisation, and also what got you into sustainability in the first place? Hi, thank you very much for um, having me today. Yes, I uh, don't know what got me into sustainability. It's kind of weird. I saw a, um, I wasn't a public speaker at school at all. Um, I got kicked out. But the, um, I did do a talk on climate change when I was 14 to um, to the school. And so I, I did an undergraduate thesis on um, how people perceive the effect they have on the environment whilst partaking in sports within the Cairngorm region um so weirdly i'm now living in scotland i do snowboard and i work in sustainability uh, and that was a hospitality degree so i kind of think it was intrinsic and innate to me um i run a couple of companies green element which is an environmental management consultancy that i set up in 2004 we help corporates largely to become more sustainable and more environmental working for the likes of link laters doing all the grant thornton's work um working for the guardian um and you know a lot of blue chip companies into public group etc and um natwest actually has big clients thinking about it um and coots anyway shut up will um and compare your footprints is a carbon reporting software that helps you manage understand and benchmark your environmental footprints i set that up in 2015 and um with a view that i knew that every single organization needs to report on those um carbon emissions and they will be putting them onto companies house i think fairly soon and how are we going to do that? Well, we need to do that as cost effectively as possible. We should not be paying consultants to footprint us. We need to be able to understand exactly what we are producing and what our impact is. Therefore, we can reduce it really easily. That's fascinating. And just to say, we, where does it come from? We do use your carbon footprint tool. So ah, it's a really great way of measuring <laughs> um, what we do. We haven't gone hugely public with all of that yet, but it's just great to get an understanding when you're talking about fibres and fabrics and all of that. And then the other big F word is freight, of course. For us, it's, mm. a, it's a biggie. But, you know, it's fast. and you were such an early starter there as well, doing mm. things at school, which is amazing. And Jarvis, do you want to tell us about yourself, how you got into sustainability, what you do and all of the other stuff? Yeah, so gosh, I think uh, intrinsically as a child, I always kind of trod on the earth lightly. 
but didn't realize it was even a sustain you know there wasn't mm. anything called sustainability at that time but um later on i was invited to go onto a tv uh, documentary called uh, dumped for channel 4 and i had to live on a landfill for 3 weeks and really it was to highlight what is one person's waste is another person's gold and all about recycling and it completely changed my outlook on how to live in the world and how to work so post that i set up one of the world's biggest um magazines called national geographic green which was actually at the time the biggest ethical lifestyle magazine the world had ever seen um and now i publish uh, my green pod magazine um which has been with the guardian for over a decade um we also have a website called mygreenpod.com which is a a hub for people that want to live more sustainably but don't really know where to start so we've made it really easy by bringing together the best products that we can find that are the least damaging to people and planet. And now we have a shop, so you can not only research and find out, but we also sell stuff as well. And we um, only, only work with, you know, the products that really are not toxic. So, you know, we don't just jump on the plastic thing. We don't just jump on this, that, and the other. We really do um, curated authenticated research because my wife is very very clever who's the editor so she used to be um deputy editor at which magazine and is now um our editor and so she's a, a proper investigative journalist and knows her stuff she's been writing about the uh sustainable movement and ethical lifestyle for gosh over well over a decade every day and all of that information is on our website so we do a plethora of things i also run the uk's leading sustainability awards called the p awards which is people environment achievement awards and we're now in our 12th year that we've been honoring champions that have made committed sustainable changes in communities and business etc etc so a bit like will we were doing it before it was trendy and cool and now it's trendy and cool. And I guess we're now seen as experts or even thought leaders, which I hate the term because it, none of it comes from my head. It's all from heart. So there we are. That's a really interesting. Uh, that, thank you, Jarvis. That's great. I mean, just to say, as, we, as you know, we are, where does it come from is on your shop. We've been part of My Green Pod now for quite a long time. Um, and I echo totally what you say about that whole thought leadership thing you know it's people who are doing things from the heart and chose made those decisions to do things from the heart quite a long time ago yeah but in a way now people are contacting us and saying tell us about what you do tell us what you're you're about and it, it's really great actually from being in the wilderness that suddenly people are interested in what we've been doing and what we're talking about um personally speaking i i'm fascinated to talk to both of you because you've both come at it from the environmental tread lightly side whereas I very much came into things from the trade justice side so it's a it's interesting when the two the two marry together so much for me I I kind of got into environmental stuff because I realized about the impacts it was having on people in other parts of the world so it's it's a it's quite interesting from that point of view yeah definitely anyway moving on going back to the environment we know now from IPCC reports from you know, COP26 and, and many things that have been in the news recently, thank God, that we're accepting that we're at a code red for humanity. And as Will was saying, a lot of businesses and organisations are talking about becoming net zero and doing really great things for the planet. What we mean by net zero is that the business they're actually doing creates less carbon than if they weren't doing it at all. That's my sort of simple way, simple take on it. Um, so 
a large part of the way that businesses have tried to do this is through offsetting the carbon that they create in their business, day-to-day business. So, Will, first of all, can you give us an overview of how offsetting works and how effective it is? It's not effective. Um, the good thing about science is that it's true whether you want to believe it or not. Um, so the world doesn't need to focus on opinions or having a view or being puritanical. Preventing catastrophic climate change is about the science, the statistics, the facts, the figures, such as we have at that time. And whether or not the carbon credits of voluntary offset markets are effective mechanisms in reducing global emissions has not been studied enough, nor for long enough, for strong scientific set of results to have been produced. So anecdotal evidence and experience, therefore, often informs one's assessment of the validity of the offsets mechanism in providing carbon sinks in the absence of a body of peer-reviewed scientific evidence one way or the other. And whilst the evidence is still uncertain, it is recommended that at the corporate level, funds are invested in decarbonisation within the value chain of the company and in collaboration with stakeholders and cross-sector initiatives to deeply accelerate decarbonisation of infrastructure, transport, heat and industrial processes. And we've seen that within the science-based targets methodology. They don't accept offsets to get to real net zero and that is a team of scientists that have come up with that methodology. It's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I mean, you're right. One thing with science, which doesn't seem to go with the whole social media world that we live in, is it's not about opinion. It's about fact. And IPCC have been coming out with these facts. This is how we are. And yet you get all sorts of people giving their opinion on it. No, there isn't an opinion. You know, it, this is how it is. And you have to, to cope with it. I mean, one thing for me with um, carbon offsetting is if you keep offsetting, it doesn't reduce carbon generally, does it at all? You're, you're, you might be reducing a particular business's carbon, but you're just moving it somewhere else. It's not reducing it. But no, that's really interesting. Um, thank you, Will. Uh, so. Jarvis, from your point of view, um, firstly, what's your view? But also, can you tell us how it works in practices? And what does a business do to offset their carbon? Yeah, well, well, just from the opinion perspective, I mean, it's a bit of a red herring, this road to net zero. I mean, it was built off the back of an old paradigm economy, which is clearly killing us. It's driving us to extinction. So, you know, I think we need to become aware that everybody that's jumping on the bandwagon of whatever, whatever the kind of label was at COP26 and and whatever else, they're all just red herrings and, and massive elephants in rooms. What we need is complete systemic change from the pillars of society. And we need to put the eco back in economics, Um, because what we've got is we've got a system that is. Uh, based on business and selling stuff and people buying stuff and all of that stuff comes from the planet so in very simple terms we are all um, profiting from the planet's materials and we're not giving anything back to the planet in that equation so we've taken 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 now the planet can't provide anymore and now it's having to rebalance itself so we are seeing you know catastrophic change in the climate because the planet needs to do what it needs to do to stay alive so we are a part of a system that is not uh, is just taken and not given back so that's my opinion based 
mm. um, scenario. Um, in terms of what we can do, it, it, it's a very simple equation. It's, it's that because we've taken from the planet, how can we give back and how can we help her to restore? So the most obvious thing is to stop everything that we've been doing and see what happens, right? So we had that uh, situation with a pandemic. Brilliant. Everybody got locked away. We started to see air quality come back and, you know, and nature coming back and rewilding and restoring and doing its thing. The problem is it wasn't long enough, um, but it was the first time humans collectively have seen cause and effect when it comes to climate crisis. So that's fantastic. Um, what we've got to do really is start thinking about what we're buying and whether it's essential. Yeah. What, who we're buying it from and whether that company cares for our future generations or not. Um, governments are in a you know really sticky situation because they're so short term in the leadership you know they're only ever thinking four to ten years ahead you know we need to be thinking in 500,000 years ahead you know seven the next seven generations is that classic indigenous scenario so we've all got into this short-termism thinking so the, the thing that we can do individually is just to have a little bit or a lot more consciousness about what we're buying who we're buying it from and whether we really need it can we buy something that's already been made? Because that is obviously much less resourceful than having to make something new. So, you know, we're massive charity shoppers and eBay shoppers and, you know, all of that stuff, which is fantastic and grow our own and make your own and stuff like that. If you need to buy something and it's got to be, you know, you've got to get it. Yeah, you know, I like the toilet roll or, you know, shampoos. I mean, these are real first world problems, right? But, you know, let's talk about it because we are talking to a UK um, audience. Um, then buy from companies that seem to have taken into the equation nature, that they have considered the product that they've made and the material it is, and it's hopefully as toxic free as it can possibly be. And they're possibly giving back to nature um, when you make that purchase, this is what we do at My Green Pod, and I know you do something very similar. So um, offsetting is just absolutely rubbish. It's just a it's just a complete <laughs> complete cop out. What we can do is be conscious within the process. So I am taking something from nature, i.e., for that toilet roll that I need. Could I give back in exactly the same transaction? Um, so I, so there's a reciprocal co-creative relationship. That is as about as simple as it gets. Yeah, no, I like the co-creative idea. I think my challenge is personally, um, you've got what Will was talking about, the scientific one. I think people yeah. are always looking for scientific evidence and they kind of think, well, if I, I have this, if I use this much in numbers of carbon, can I then give back this much numbers of carbon? And that makes everything line up zero. And it's so oversimplistic, as you've quite. It doesn't work, but it doesn't work like that, because if you say plant a tree, you are um, putting a ton of carbon into the atmosphere because you've just gone on a flight, for example. And then you go and plant that tree. It takes 40 years for that um, tree to sequester that carbon. So actually, by the time it's actually done its job, well, it's too late anyway. So it's. And it is a risk. It's a climate risk. We need to be thinking much more, as Jarvis said, seven generations um, time. I, I'm appalled and disgusted about how we are trying to put a massive Band-Aid over our consumption, really. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. 
I think the thing, the other thing is, is that mo- you know, lots and lots of people now because we had the, you know, the rest of the UN was it year of restoration or something like that last year. So everyone's thinking about, oh, let's plant trees, let's plant trees, let's protect what we've got already. <laughs> Number one, and actually there are much better sequestration um, initiatives. You know, sea kelps and you know, mangroves and, you know, to plant a tree in the UK is actually a very, very little benefit to the grand scheme of things. To plant a tree in the tropics is 10 times more efficient. But as Willis said, it's 20 to 40 years ahead of now. So, yes, we've got to be thinking like that, but it's not going to actually bring the temperature, stop the temperatures from rising today, which is what we need to do. We are potentially going to be over the threshold that all the governments are beginning to try and negotiate to agree through the Paris Agreement. We're going to be there by the middle of this this, this century. Oh, absolutely. So, I, mean, it's, I think the last um, IPCC report said in the next 10 years, isn't there? It's exactly. Going to be a ma- massive change. So I think what Will was saying about the long-term effect on things and we're being too short-term is, hey, guys, we're already in the short-term here. If we yeah. don't do something like now to change the way that we consume products and make products and all of that, then I don't want to swear too much, but we're in trouble, aren't we, really? We are. I think, God, sorry, Will, go on. I was going to say, I think one of our problems is that we've got a, quite a few companies out there that are charging one pound a tonne. And, you know, they are, and some are saying you get a free subscription for the first three months and then you only pay one pound a tonne. And that is so detrimental to us mitigating um our emissions because if you're if you don't know what it is that you you know you don't know enough about this subject then you will see that and think actually that makes a lot of sense i'm going to do that and actually i feel good about myself so that you know you have these companies and people that are going oh it's okay i feel really good about myself now but and it's only costing me five a month and it's a bit like uh yeah. It kind of doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's, the, it's the danger of being too numbers based and too science based mm. and detaching as well. So all these phrases, net zero and all of that, trying to put it down to simplistic little terms, but not really understanding at depth what is going on, and what the yeah. problems are. It's a real yeah, problem. I mean, the, the system set up for us to be completely dis- disconnected with nature mm. so that we can continue to rape and pillage her until she's going to throw us off because we're the virus you know the pandemic came about probably nature's way of going guys i'm going to give you a couple of warnings but if you don't listen to them then i'm just going to have to shake you off so you know that's potentially what is occurring nature's way more intelligent than we are it's been around longer than us and it will be around way after us and so we've got to just decide which part of this journey at which part in time do we want to be on this journey with her or against her so I mean, I'm not an expert in, in carbon offsetting, but but just the very nature of its principles is actually a way to feed the, the shabby <laughs> system that we that is killing us. Yeah. So Will will have some really brilliant intellectual wise answers to what we can do. So educators will. As in. Well, I as think, in, if carbon offsetting is is not the uh, the, the we're reduce. Bullet. I think reduce. I think reduce, reduce, reduce. I think that science based targets initiative have got that nailed. And you just need to set your science based targets and reduce your emissions. And there are many companies out there that are not fit for the future. I don't know if you know fit for the future um, program, but actually their their whole system is actually very good if you go through it. And it ties in with what we're saying here. And I think that we do need to think about the way that we run our 
businesses and what it is that we're actually doing. And it goes back to the consumption that Travis was talking about earlier. But we, with money, you know, we can, we can work within those economic parameters. So why not, if you travel a lot or if you fly a lot, why not, instead of putting hundreds of thousands of pounds into offsetting, start investing into EasyJet or BA, buy shares in these companies, because they are the ones that are going to need that money in order to do R&D, in order to um, decarbonize their infrastructure. And I always find it slightly weird that a company that flies a lot will put money into something that doesn't really work, but yet they'll carry on flying. And then that flying company is going, hang on, we need more money in order to reduce our carbon. So have a think about what it is that you are procuring. And um, there's a very neat expression, insetting. And um, it's looking at your supply chain, understanding what is in your supply chain and working collaboratively across that supply chain. And the larger companies are starting to do that more. And it's not just going to be down to one company. But if we work collaboratively to reduce those emissions, then we'll get there much quicker. Yeah, agreed. I think you've probably kind of answered both of you my next question, which was what positive benefits can you see about carbon offsetting is there anything good about it at all yeah there is there is the social benefits putting money into a village in africa to help them with their um, cooking heating electricity is really positive there are so many good projects out there that um, have massive social benefits they're not environmental, so don't include it in your environmental impact. But that's not what life is about. It's not all about, you, it's everything and it's everyone. And this is why I feel really bad and um, emotional about this subject because I feel like I'm saying don't do that, but it is really good socially and you can't stop doing it. You, we, we've got to help each other. Mm. You know, we're so privileged in the Western world, mm. so privileged. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I see it as being interconnected myself, as I said before. I mean, I think if you're helping people to have a better quality of life in places where they need that help, then you are helping the planet in a different kind of a way. And we have to grow together, don't we? We have to grow together. What about you, Jarvis? Can you see any positive benefits to offsetting? Yeah, I mean, I would I, uh, more of the same, but I would I would take it to, to, to a deeper level of, of, of nature. So, you know, I think the positive impact of giving back to nature is showing a conscious you know science has proven that nature is a conscious being you know we're seeing this from the david attenborough green blue you know all the different planets that he's done you can see the aliveness of nature right so i think we know we need to stop discrediting her mother nature and and the wisdom of mother nature and actually get back to including her in decision making so that she she can fix this problem easily Humans are not going to fix this problem because we're actually arrogant and stupid. But, but, na- <laughs> but, but nature, well, the, the, the point of that is, is that, you know, we are trying to fix the problem with the same thinking that caused it in the first place. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Th- yeah. These statements have been around as long as time itself, but we are still too arrogant to be listening to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So clearly we are not wise enough to evolve. Mm. So we just need to stop what we're doing and let nature do its thing. <laughs> 
That's a really interesting way of putting it, definitely. Um, it's funny enough, I went on a donut economics workshop last uh. week, actually, with, um, which was fantastic. Um, and it was that we're sort of looking at our business and other businesses we work with and sort of trying to apply the framework of what are the different benefits. And it is that whole thing of a... I think we kind of were doing something similar without knowing it was that in the past, which is interesting. But I think for a lot of businesses, actually looking at things, other impacts, social in- impacts, environmental impacts, as well as the other things that they're doing, just as part of normal business as usual. It's, it's part of that reset that you're talking about, isn't it? It is. It is. It's a mind, it's a mind and heart uh, shift. Mm. Um, and we are going through it, but just not quickly enough. No, definitely not quickly enough. We're looking, we're looking for a... Um... FT at the moment and a part of it is that I've written down is you need to be able to help us shift to a new new economic paradigm Mm. and um because I think we do I think we need we are it's accountants that are running these offsetting companies and they are basically putting the P&L profit and loss balance sheets onto nature and going well one fit we can do you know and that doesn't work it just doesn't work yeah it doesn't work I think you used a brilliant line earlier about reduce, 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 which is absolutely right. But I think we are going to see a massive shift in lots of businesses falling away. You know, when we went into the pandemic, it it turned out that 80% of the stuff that we were buying was (laughs) non-essential. 80%. (laughs) Because because we look at things or we have looked at things in the past as as rewards and much different without going too deeply into this but we use items stuff as i call it for so many different reasons apart from what they're there for it's, it's emotional isn't it a lot of things i need a new dress to make me feel better you know yeah. i need i need to buy someone a, a stupid present that they don't want to show them that i love them you know it's all sorts of ridiculous things but we're not thinking about the impacts of what we buy in fact i would add to the question i asked you guys about any positive impact from offsetting i would say if in any way it makes somebody wake up to the fact that they are having an impact then it's a positive but you know there's obviously so many more negatives around that as well so my next question i'll ask jarvis first is what are the negative impacts of carbon offsetting oh my goodness well i I think the very reason that will pointed out earlier that if if people are offsetting because it makes them justify uh, the damage that they're doing in the first place that is really negative because it, it's like it's literally putting a plaster on rather than dealing with the the root cause of the problem so that that's a that's a negative one I think there was a lot of you know we my wife calls this the second round or second phase of greenwashing so <laughs> now now I love this because the, there's a classic example of big businesses that are talking about their kind of you know, sustainable stuff that they're doing. But what's brilliant is, is that young people that are born into this as an issue, it's on the forefront of their minds, they're seeing straight through this and they're going, oh, you're doing that, that one pair of trainers out of the 20,000 pairs that you do are plastic recycled, I'm not buying from you anymore. Mm. So the negative impact is having actually a positive spin on stuff, or the negative spin is having a positive impact. So look, I'm a massively holistic outlook on life, right? I think that we are all going through this as a species because we've chosen to evolve with whatever is going to occur. We either do it with grace and humility, or it'll be absolute chaos and a shambles. And right now we're on the chaos and shambles. So that's the negative Mm. side of things as well. 
What about you, Will? Have you got anything you'd like to say that's negative about Cardinal? Oh, where do I start, eh? Um, <laughs> so colonial, colonialism enabled the UK to profit from resources that were never ours to take. Mm-hmm. And, never, and now, once again, we seek to export our problems. We are currently in the biggest land grab in history. During COP, one of the unheard voices were from the Indigenous environmental networks. Mm. And it was absolutely appalling about how listen, how they were not listened to. Um, you know, in Africa and Asia, governments and NGOs are stealing vast amounts and vast areas of land from tribal peoples and local communities under the false claim that is necessary for conservation. Mm. And even the UK's own government advisors are telling them that there is an ineffective way when it comes down to mitigation. So the UK government know that this is not effective, but yet they're still pushing it forwards. And I think we need to start to listen to the Indigenous Environmental Network about what is going on. And I've got a great quote here from them. And the green economy regime places the monetary price on nature and creates new derivative markets that will only increase in inequality and increase the destruction of Mother Earth. We cannot put the future of nature and humanity in the hands of financial speculative mechanisms, such as using the forest in agriculture as carbon offsets. For example, Calls reducing emissions from deforestation and forest degradation are better known as RED, R-E-D-D, and other market systems of conservation are biological offsets and payment for environmental and ecological services. Here in California, there is a growing concern of California Global Warming Solutions Act, um, AB, carries on to say for people living close to the Chevron refinery to have to endure more pollution and their communities causing long-term health problems such as asthma, birth defects, cancer and depression. Red prolongs these impacts by making offsets available to these polluting companies, allowing them to avoid their emissions at source. Uh, It's, you know, you've got, and then you've, so there was a carbon credit scheme in Australia that thankfully was vetoed, but it's been put back onto the table to see if it can go through. And that is to give carbon credits for killing the camel, camels that are there. And so you'll have possibly B Corps in the UK that are going, oh yeah, we're really green. We're carbon positive and we buy our offsets. And if that was to go through, they could potentially be killing camels in Australia to be more environmental. So making claims of carbon neutrality, net zero, carbon positive or other such terms through use of offsets it's just misleading mm-hmm. and can and does lead customers to believe that they're helping to reduce climate heating through purchase of goods and services leading to increased consumption. I think we need to be really careful. And there are a lot of people making a lot of money, I believe, and I'm not going to name names, but one of the big offsetting companies in this country is owned by Morgan Stanley. Mm-hmm. Wow. Need I say any more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've done some research on this as well. And some of those, you know, some of the big organizations like the Amazons and, you know, they're all connected with this carbon offsetting group that actually, if you look under the under the hood, <laughs> it's definitely not what uh, what it's meant to be. So, you know, we've got to do our research and really dig deep and and learn, you know, learn from our mistakes. 
Mm. And if there's profits involved in those kind of things, then I'm not being funny, but they can't be good. It can't be good, can it? If someone's making huge amounts of profits out of doing these things that are supposed to be protecting our environment, protecting the people who need protecting, then it's a no-brainer. It can't be good. So yeah. I just that's a simple way of looking at it. I mean, I'm interested in what you're saying there, Will, that sort of struck a chord with me very much around pushing the problem away somewhere else. So I'm a company, I'm doing something hideous, which is causing a problem. So I'll buy some offsets. Somebody else in the world, some other place in the world is going to suffer. I'm going to carry on doing what I'm doing and having the negative effects. And, and those effects will then impact somebody else. It's like when we dump all of our rubbish in Malaysia and it ends up you know, polluting local environment in Malaysia and yeah. other places too. So it's, it's, that, it's, it's, it's that not not in my backyard thing all over again, isn't it? But with regards to offsetting. And yeah. I know with um, my next question is around the global impacts of offsetting. I was looking up some charts this morning on the um, the uh, World Economic Forum about the different the global disparity of carbon footprints, basically. So United States, not surprisingly, the most massive carbon footprints um, where I think we come down we're not too Six, bad. We're yeah. about sixth, aren't we? Yeah, sixth or seventh on this particular chart. But when you're looking at com- countries in northern Africa and, and sub-Saharan Africa, they've got virtually no carbon footprint. And they're the ones who we are making pay, through just how um, Will just said, for, for our problems. So what do you guys um, go to Will first? How can, how can carbon offsetting affect these people and what can we do about it? Well, don't, don't offset um quite that's kind of simple really um i don't think it does it is helpful i think just don't offset just look at what you're consuming i mean it really isn't rocket science it really isn't just look at what you're consuming and reduce and reduce it and consume less and go to my green pod and buy the stuff on that particular website because you know the research is doing done for you you know there are people out there that have done the research. It is really complicated and it is really hard because you've got some companies that will say that they're really green and some companies that will say they're really green. What is it? Well, Jarvis and his team have put something together and actually thought about it all and intelligently, you know, curated what it is that we can procure without needing to think about it. So, you know, we're there. So why aren't we doing it? Yes, I mean, well, the, well, the interesting answer to that, as I'm sure we all know, far far too much here about is greenwashing. So that we know that there's so many different organisations. I bang my head against the wall. I was talking to a prospective customer this morning who wanted tote bags, um, a thousand tote bags. I'm like, well, why do you want a thousand tote bags? But we'll go beyond that. How are we going to make them in the best possible way for the planet? You know, using renewable energy, using um, indigenous cottons and those kind of things that will cost you blah oh no I can get them down the road from such and such a place for half that price yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was me silently screaming for anybody listening so having <laughs> those conversations because people because with greenwashing people honestly believe that if something is sustainable or you know planet friendly or natural these things are there and we see it all the time don't we yeah we do we do <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's great that we're even having this. I mean, you know, if you were to talk about carbon footprint 10 years ago, people would just look at you like blurry eye going, what, what the hell are you talking about? But so I think, you know, and thanks for bigging us up, Will, but I would also big up, you know, compare your footprint because, you know, if people can begin to look at 
you know, what is having an, what is, what is carbon intensive within their business or their lifestyles? And then what can you do to reduce that? You know, there's so many brilliant things that have happened of late. I know the, the, the question was about the global impact, but I think Will has just very easily, succinctly said, just don't offset. And, you know, just try and try and get into reducing in your own lives and in your own businesses. That There's a massive opportunity there. 65 possibly percent, depending on what figures you're looking at, is human behavior. 65% of the problem is human behavior. And the rest of it is split between the technologies that we use and the fossil fueled, you know, the, the oil industries. So, mm. you know, uh, 65% is human behavior. Mm. That's massive. Mm. It's, all, it's all down to personal <clears throat> choice, isn't it? It's down to how we choose to do things mm. and how we choose to behave, whether you, whether you do need to fly to the other side of the world, whether you do need a thousand tote bags. Yeah. You know, I mean, when yeah. customers come to me and they say, we haven't got a budget for a thousand tote bags, I say, well, why don't you buy a less then? You know, if you really, really need to buy something, why don't you just buy a lot less of them? Because to be honest, you don't really need them. Nobody needs yeah. that many tote bags. This yeah. is from somebody who sells tote bags. You know, it's just crazy. Just crazy. But, but yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult. We, it's the changes that we need to make and the way that we all need to think about what we do and people talk about every little change helps. And I guess it does. But we need some huge, massive changes as well, don't we? And there, are, there are lots of, you know, there are lots of um, companies out there. We became a B Corp back in 2015 and I got to know Hermani from Do Nation um, through that network. And Do Nation are brilliant. I'm really good friends with Christian from Poor Prince. Um, they're really good. You know, they've, you've got um, so many good people out there that are helping you with those decisions and helping you um being more informed and it is a case of um just finding those companies but i was was chatting to someone the other day at the business and community and um we were talking about how we get smes onto the journey i mean we're free to anyone up with a turnover under three hundred thousand pounds we're free and um but it's actually getting them to our site to measure it's getting them on that journey how do we actually get them there because 80 percent of the people that aren't doing anything don't even know about where to go or what Mm. to do and it's it's communicating to them and it's trying to um you know and i that's the bit i struggle with and I grapple with because I feel that we probably, you know, we all know each other through different WhatsApp groups, through different, we're all in the same bubbles. We're talking to the same people. So it's a bit like, how do we get out of those bubbles and um, move into different bubbles? Yeah. yeah. Education is massively important. Yeah. It really is. And unfortunately we are fighting against, you know, this machine that drives this false economy that's killing us. So, you know, so it's really down to the each individual to take responsibility for themselves and then try and inspire their immediate networks, you know, family and friends and people on the street. And, you know, and, and but so so you're right. But anyway. I was just, I was just, 
I was just going to say it's it's making it simple for people because I think people are scared, aren't they? People find the whole idea. Most people don't even know what carbon is. I'm not being funny, but our education system, I mean, our, the current generation are learning a lot more about these issues. But, you know, maybe we didn't and maybe people don't understand that. So it's, make, it's finding simple ways. I'm going to ask you both to send me some links afterwards and I'll put them in the podcast blurb so people can find find out things about it but it's yes yeah, it's taking those first steps as will said and getting to understand um about impacts and then the key thing is obviously as we've all agreed reducing reduce 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 we'll take that away with this as a three if greta can say blah 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 we can say reduce 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 yeah <laughs> and that, can be, that can be the key thing so um just as a final question then i think we've kind of covered pretty much everything on offsetting you've said talked about reducing can you think of any other things that people can be doing to sit aside offsetting to help us reduce our carbon apart from reduce 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 I think investing in new technologies that um, help us with that um, global transition. So, um, you know, putting money into electric planes and um, there are there are some very good technologies out there. I had a guy on our um, on our podcast that is that mines lithium and um, they do it in the most sustainable way that they can um, in areas of the world. And some would say that mining isn't sustainable at all, but we are, we need the lithium and is we, so we, if we're going to do it. Let's do it properly. But what struck me was he said that there are some small companies out there that can take a lithium battery from a car, completely take it apart and put it back together again without using any more resources. And it's actually will have more charge than it did to start off with. So, you know, we, we technology is, getting to the point where we are you know we're getting there and i think i think blockchain will come into its own within sustainability you're already seeing it within the supply chain and i think that um keeping you know investing into that and helping us move forwards whilst also reducing and set your science-based targets if you're a company listen set your science-based targets simple as it's not rocket science set it you can do it through competitive footprint so just set your science-based targets or at least you can do in about a month's time but um that general idea of not talking about net zero but having that transparency in those targets i mean for me where does it come from it's called where does it come from for a good reason and we're all about transparency and i think that is what it is it's that like being transparent about what you're aiming to do transparent about what you're doing and then um doing it i suppose basically jarvis what about you what other things would you recommend alongside well getting rid of offsetting but <laughs> instead of offsetting yeah um I, I think the the research you know look going deeper into the into the firstly the business model that you've got and then the supply chains and the ingredients and you know all of that from a personal perspective you know we've talked about that massively um but i think what what will has highlighted is is that the answers are all there but we might have to dig a little bit deeper to find them. We might have to pay a little bit more to use them. But what's the cost to our future generations? So, you know, we've just got to change our mindset now and think about actually, you know, we need to be in an age of restoration. What makes that happen? It's about us taking responsibility and making completely different life choices, business choices, so that we can actually be really 
pleased when we're on our deathbeds that we've done every single thing that we possibly can to give to our future generations. And really, I'm quite selfish about this. It's for my children. But by default, it's for every child on the planet. You know, so it's it's really waking up and not listening to all of the propaganda, the advertising, the Hollywood films, all that rubbish that feeds us with a narrative that we should, it makes us feel good to have nice things. No, it makes us feel good to know that our children have a future. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, that, that chimes so well with stuff that I'm involved with, with the um, ethical fashion movement, you know, this whole psychological benefits of buying new clothes. And if if you choose an item, I mean, clothing or whatever and you're making that choice from a different place within yourself so you're choosing something about its positive impacts and how you're going to value it and how you're going to keep it for your life cycle and you understand who made it and all of that kind of thing you value that yourself on a deeper level you love that item more you get more joy out of it it's better for your mental health and then when you're done with it it's good enough quality it can go on to someone else or it can be upcycled or even recycled or or whatever and it's 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 taking those efforts as you both have said that dig deep find out more get more personally involved none none of this stuff that we have at the moment you just oh, i fancy this i'll go into a shop i'll put it in my bag i buy it there's no emotional connection there at all so i've started ranting now That's i feel really true. strongly about that whole emotional connection thing with with what you're buying all the things in our lives are connected to us and in, in loads of different ways and we have to we have to be involved in that and not not i suppose resign from that process but yeah, yeah no it's great i'm very well aware we've come to our time now is there anything else you'd like to add would you both like to give a bit of a name drop to your organizations again <laughs> i don't think well i don't really well i'll I'm put really the link to. i'll put some links <laughs> into all of your organizations anyway i think um, i think for me i will not not about my green park we talk <laughs> loads about that but but we actually run um, the pea awards the people environment and achievement awards and it's about honoring individuals and teams that are really making a difference and so if you've got friends or family or co-workers or, you know, people in your business or you yourself consider yourself as a, you know, a superhero when it comes to sustainability then enter yourself into the P awards, it's free to enter. We've made it accessible to everybody and we're in our 12th year. And that's all we do is honor people that are doing great life changing um, commitments to the sustainable movement that we so badly need with the mm-hmm. runaway uh, climate. So there we are. Thank you. But also, I think that's so important because as we've shown ourselves, you can get quite down. You can get into a spiral of, you know, it's depressing. There's lots of things going wrong. So much work needs to be done. But actually hearing some of the positive stories, patting people on the back, that can really give you a lift and motivate you. And also we've had other speakers on the Where Does It Come From podcast, people from um, Extinction Rebellion and things like that, who talk about when you do join with other people, it becomes a society, it gives you strength and growth and don't accountability. Be afraid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it gives you that kind of you're part of something bigger yeah. and not on the outside. So I think those those things are really important. Yeah. I think you'd like to add, Will? <laughs> on accountability, I'm actually petrified that because I don't think any of us are perfect. And I, mm. I I don't know about you guys, but I pick holes in everything I do on a regular basis and if you think about it too much you can actually get quite down on yourself um because you just think i can do better at that so i can do better at that i can do better at that and it's um i think probably my i i know we've been talking about reducing your consumption but don't get down on yourself you know try and do the best that you can do 
Yeah. But be happy. Be happy. Please be happy. Be content with where you are. Be content with what is going on because a happy person is more likely to make a change than a, someone that's not happy. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. Well-being yeah. is yeah, paramount. Yeah, mm. and you can get stuck in that kind of analysis paralysis and all of those different things if you're not trying. It's having that positivity and that energy to want to do something for the right reasons, the love of nature, the love of planet that we feel. So that's good. Anyway, um, thank you both so much for your time. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been wonderful having you here. For anyone listening, I'll be putting links to both these guys' organisations and a little bit more about them on the podcast blurb that comes with this. I'm going to upload this conversation onto YouTube so you can look at the faces we've been pulling while we've been talking and that kind of thing as well. Um, So with that, I'll just say thank you very much, guys, for joining us on the Where Does It Come From podcast. Thank Thank you. you, Thanks very much for having us. Thank you. Nice to see you both. Thank you for listening to the Where Does It Come From podcast. You can find out more about our social enterprise and the work we do. We create planet-friendly, fair-trade clothing and textiles that come with their story. Visit our website at wheredoesitcomefrom.co.uk.